With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. This is the show where Eskimos fans get all things green and gold from the man who calls the shots. We're just ready to lace it up and go out there and hit somebody and uh, play physical, disciplined football. This is where one empire gets insight you can't get anywhere else. This is the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Now, with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to the show. It is uh, 735, time to talk all things football, all things Eskimos here. A much better game on Saturday, much better performance, but unfortunately the same result. Tough loss for the Eskimos in the Labor Day rematch. A missed field goal on the final play of the game sent the Eskimos to the dressing room. 25-22 was the final score for Calgary. Fourth straight loss for the Eskimos, who now sit at 7-4. and four. Jason Moss joins us in studio to look at, back at that one and uh, ahead to the Argos on Saturday. First off, Coach, did you think you deserved a better fate in that football game, the way you uh, played? Yeah, I mean, I think we played a pretty good football game and against a, a great football team and I think we battled them for 60 minutes and it came down to the to the end there you know you you like to think when you battle them like that you can come out on the better end of it but I was proud of our guys effort and proud of how we fought um, just didn't quite happen for us if you were to show someone the stats of the game and not the score, you'd be hard-pressed for them to pick Calgary as the winner in the game. I mean, you guys did a lot of things, right? You know, you you, you had more yards than them. Your quarterback threw for closer to 500 than 400. You had a guy almost 200 yards receiving. You uh, you didn't turn over the ball a lot. You, you, you were even in that department. You did a lot of things right in the game, stats-wise. I know time of possession, you won two. I know the only stat that counts is on the scoreboard, but do you take some solace in the fact that you won a lot of the little battles? Well, the I mean, yeah. Yeah, you got to take positives out of every game and you learn from your negatives and uh, learn from your mistakes. And there was plenty of those to go around, too. I mean, um, we were one for four, I believe, in the red zone, which we were inside the 10-yard line twice and didn't score and come away with points or touchdowns. And had we done that, the game's probably not close, uh, you know, after remarking about the stats. I mean, that was a big stat in the game, one for four in the red zone. And, um, you know, if we would have capitalized on those and... Um, you know they they did they always do that they have they, they do a very good job of capitalizing when they need to capitalize uh don't hurt themselves very often and, and yet you know both throws a couple picks in the fourth and we uh you know didn't do enough with it so uh but again you know i take some positives out of the game uh our, the way our team fought and battled and gave ourselves a chance at the end the last two weeks we hadn't done that and uh most of the games I've coached here, we've given ourselves a chance to win at the end, and we're right back to doing that. And I like a, I, I love the, the game when we're able to do that. Um, red zone issues. Um, what do you have to correct to be more successful? No, I mean, there? there's a variety of different things. I mean, um, you know, some of it's just execution. We were offsides on a touchdown throw. 
Um, and that's no fault of our own. We just we went on two, and guy didn't quite get the snap count and goes off sides. It, it didn't affect the play. The, the play is mm-hmm. thrown on the other side of the field, and it's a touchdown. But it's still a five-yard penalty, and we didn't uh, get it on the, the next down. And then going the other way, you know, we, we attempt to pass, something we're very good at, a, a different route concept that we're really good at, executed very well this year. It gets tipped at the line. Uh, and then the second one, they had good coverage. Um, I'm, I'm, we're going to review some calls tomorrow with the league, and that's one of them I'm going to review because Darius gets hit 10 yards into the re- end zone, and the guy that he's that hits him illegally is the guy sitting there as Mike's throwing. So either he should not been there or it should have been DPI in my estimation, mm-hmm. but we'll go over that with the league tomorrow. So a little bit of a little bit of everything. Uh, we obviously, you know. Um, did hurt ourselves, and I always will give the other team credit. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we we didn't score enough points, and it was obvious with the outcome at the end. I imagine the the list might be long that you want to go over with calls concerned uh, from the game with the league tomorrow. But uh, a little bit about the, and I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want. I know you don't want to talk about too much, but uh, the situation when Mike Riley was pulled out of the game. What were you told at that point? And and in your mind, was the situation handled correctly or incorrectly? Or well, let's put it this way: it was concussion protocol. It's the first time I. I've seen in our league a guy get pulled out for concussion protocol. That was what was confusing. I I'd never seen it done. Yeah. Um, I watched. I'm watching the play. I've seen Mike get hit plenty of times, and based on his reaction and him talking to the referee right after the play, I didn't even think twice that he was he was hurt or concussed for that matter. You know. Um, the other and I just think the league needs to review their whole policy on it. Um, and I hope that they do. I hope they listen to, to people that the game got affected by because ultimately our quarterback wasn't concussed. It was found out by our doctors on the sidelines three plays later that he was not concussed one moment. So, But the guy in Toronto obviously believed it. Why he believed that, I'm not sure. Because when I watch the, the when I go home and watch it PVR'd, I can see Mike Riley's eyes. I can see his reaction after he throws. I can listen to Glenn Suter, however, say it's the worst hit he's ever seen Mike Riley take. So I'm wondering if that guy's listening to Glenn Suter and getting influenced by him or not. But if that is the case, I don't think that should be right. I don't think yeah. he should be able to listen. Um, and I would just like uh, you know, a better explanation or a better if, – if, if a guy – and then the other thing I would like to know is if a guy che- does hit him under the chin, if that's an illegal hit – why isn't it like fighting then? Why don't we get five minutes to let Mike clear his cobwebs a little bit because you knocked our guy out of the game? Yeah. Or at the very least, let us warm up our backup quarterback because it's not like Mike stayed on the ground and he was supposed to be out for three plays. So I think there's a lot of things that need to be looked at, not just say, oh, well, that's concussion protocol. He's out three plays and don't give us any chance to warm up our backup. You're the guy telling us he's hurt when he's not hurt. And then the other thing I would say is there's a play later in the game that Calvin McCarty runs into – Campbell and their boundary half and knocks them both down to the point where they can't get up. But I didn't hear anything about concussion protocol for those two gentlemen. And that was a helmet-to-helmet hit. All three of them hit. They all dropped to the ground. And you can see Campbell grabbing his head. Why is why are our quarterbacks treated differently in our league? Yeah. And if that spotter is doing his job, which it seemed like in that game he wanted to do his job, why didn't he at that point tell the referee and buzz in and say, both of those players need to be in concussion protocol? How did he miss that one? Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like to know. I'd like to have answers like that given to me if we're talking about player safety ultimately. Yeah, and I think we can all agree that making sure the player is okay is first and foremost because you don't want players who are in any kind of peril staying in the game to take more hits but 
you got to make sure you can't just yank a guy out. You got to make sure he's in peril. And to me, and I, I won't keep you going on it. Uh, to me, though, like the referee standing right there, he's got a chance to look in his eyes and tell that he's no. He's not even he's looking fine. at Mike's eyes. He's talking to Mike. Mike yeah. asked him, "Why didn't you throw a flag on the guy that just hit me under the chin?" Is what yeah. Mike asked him. Maybe not in that different that way. Yeah. But he asked him that question. So at that point, when a referee can answer a question to him. Still doesn't know why he's getting buzzed in and why when you go to the line and Mike, you can walk, look at Mike walk. Yep. Mike's not stumbling. He's going to get he's the first not, down. Didn't barely get, he got right up. He jumped right back up. He adjusted his face mask because he'd been hit underneath the chin. You can look in his eyes on the TV copy. You can look into his eyes and see him staring at the defense, ready to sneak the ball, and then gets the tap on the shoulder that you're out for free. He thought he cussed the referee out and thought he was getting kicked out. That's what he mm. thought was happening. He had no idea he was getting a concussion protocol. Mm. So, And then I say this. This was my other, my other problem with the protocol that they have. They say it's a three-play protocol. Well, I can run three plays in about 30 seconds. So you're telling me in 30 seconds you'd be able to check Mike out? If it's a three-play protocol, yeah, that's all he has to be out is three plays. Yeah, and so what is it? Is it that they the doctors get to check him? What if they check him in one play? Is he okay then? Yeah, and then who's who's at fault if if they're wrong? I mean, there's a lot of crap that needs to be sorted out, but I can't believe I, I'm just a bewildered that it happened to a the toughest quarterback in the, the toughest quarterback toughest player in the league voted that some guy thought he was actually concussed, and then that. I've never seen it called before in our league, and it happens to be called there. And I see another play later in the game that's worse than that to me, to, to a guy grabbing his head, and he doesn't get kicked out of the game for three plays. So you can't call it both ways. Call it, call it the whole game then. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just ask you, if you can clarify this or not, the, the, uh, the review system can say he's injured and needs to get out of the game, but they can't call a roughing the passer penalty. Apparently not. But then they can call a throat slash later on, which they did from the eye in the sky as well, right? Yeah, and I'm not saying that shouldn't have been. I know, called. and I'm, I'm not saying. exactly, and I'm not even certain they're allowed to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've read the rule book today, and it didn't say anything in there where the eye in the sky can look at things like that. I always thought a flag needed to be thrown, and at that point, when it's for a personal foul, you're looking for vendettas and why it happened. Not something that's happening five minutes after a play is done or two or three minutes after a play is done when both the sidelines jawjacking with our player. And I'm not excusing Edwards at mm-hmm. all from this. He knows better than what he did. But I'm just shocked that – and I'm pretty sure it wasn't a referee on the field that threw the flag. So you're right. I think it was the eye in the sky. I'm just not – I wasn't aware that they're even allowed to throw flags on something like that. So news to me and something our, our whole team obviously learned from. All right. Uh, Jason Moss with us in studio on the Eskimos Coaches Show. Uh, we're going to catch our breath here, take a break, be back with more. It's the Eskimos Coaches Show on 6.30 Chet. <laughs> The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price. Now, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 6.30 Chad. Well, we are back. Coach and I are just talking here. We're back on the Eskimos Coaches Show. Uh, Morley Scott along with Jason Moss. Uh, Eskimos in Toronto this week. It's a Saturday game. 2 o'clock start, 12.30 for the pregame show here on 6.30. Chad with myself and Dave Campbell. We'll also check in with uh, Blake Dermott as well uh, via telephone who will be back here in Edmonton. Uh, Jason, before we move ahead to that game, uh, penalties. 
Uh, it's uh, it's something that obviously it's been an issue all season long. Tell me about your thoughts on on the, your team taking penalties at good times, bad times, whatever the case may be. Um, is it something that you know, somehow got to figure out a way to get around? Well, there's not a there's not a good time to take a penalty. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we had nine. I'll take one. I had one on myself, and you know that's not good either. And uh, so there's no there's no excuse for them you know some of them are judgment calls and trust me our referees are the judges of it and i can slow the film down and i can show you 25 calls that were judgment calls that weren't called in that game either Mm -hmm. so those ones i'm less concerned about because those are judgment calls on the referees parts sometimes they call it sometimes they don't the procedure penalties we lead the league with 43 of them and it bit us again on a sack fumble at the end of the game simple just watching the ball or whatever we're coached to do and to me, it's preparing to watch the ball. If the ball hasn't moved, you shouldn't be moving, and we seem to always do it. So, and then of course, you know, we on Dukes, you know, he's, he doesn't know the snap count. We go on to a hard count. We happen to score a touchdown there. So two plays with procedure calls in that game cost us a sack, strip, fumble at the end, and a touchdown. Those are the ones that drive me crazy. So we. <laughs> I'm at my wits end with it because we've tried to do everything. We have our board. We talk about it every day in practice. We've told the players it's on you. Now the players are having their own meeting this week. So I'll see what they come up with because they're going to start policing themselves. Because the only thing I have left to do is start getting rid of people. But if you're going to tell me I'm going to get rid of Duke because he just jumped off sides, you're going to tell me I'm going to get rid of Euclid Cummins because he just jumped off sides, I think you think I'm crazy (laughs) for wanting to do that. But at the end of the day, the one thing that you can take away from a player is playing time for doing what he did. And really what I'd really like our players to do is look at that player and tell him to get the heff off the field. Yeah, and make him get off the field for doing something like that. You know, at the end of the day, the players at times have to patrol some of it. Coaches do as well. We're all in it together, but we've done a lot this year, and we've talked about it more than we've ever talked about it. And somehow, some way, we're still our own worst enemy. And like I said, I don't. The judgment calls the judgment calls, but the procedure ones are the ones we have to get better at. We're at 43. I think Martin Charles the second closest at 33, and then everyone else is in the 20s. So we're leaps and bounds worse than everybody else in that department so we've got to figure it out and hopefully do i'll challenge our team this week you know i really would like our penalties to get down to about eight on average which is about in the middle of the pack and if we can do that i can guarantee you it'll translate into victories so you've bucked the trend for the most part i mean you're you're seven and four and leading the league in penalties and those two things don't go together really yeah i mean we were seven and zero in leading the league in penalties too so like i said i'm not the turnover ratio to me was the biggest factor in our three-game, four-game losing streak right now. I mean, the two games that we were blown out and didn't give ourselves a chance, we fell behind in games. We were Our turnover ratio in those games was horrible. Our penalties were even in one of those games. So the penalties themselves don't always cost you games as much as the turnovers do. So, But they go hand-in-hand hand yeah. with discipline, and that's the point. Is It's all about discipline, and I'd prefer us to get... In penalties, my goal, to be quite honest with you, it's a big freaking leap right now, but I'd like to get to seven. Seventh in the league. Let's get to seventh. We're at 10.1 a game. The next close is a 9.9 in Montreal. So I'd surely like to leap ahead of them after this next game. So I'd really hope our guys are concentrating. We have a really limited game this game and jump ahead of them. And then just from there, it's a slow ascent to the... bottom of the league or top or however you want to say it but it's definitely important it's trust me it's talked about on a day-to-day daily basis we coach it we coach it hard 
Um, right now, again, our leaders on our team are getting together, I think, tomorrow night, and they're all going to talk about what n- the next step is, and I'm anxious to hear it. I guess you got to get to the point where you're not a you're a team that took too many penalties, and now you're not a team is, instead of being called a team that takes too many penalties, right? You still there's still time to turn it around, obviously. Absolutely, right? there's of, seven games left, right? and I, like I said, I'm an eternal optimist. So I know that what we were capable of doing with taking a lot of penalties, I'd love to see us take no penalties in a game, or very few in a game, or be in the top. The last seven games. If we can average only six penalties a game, which is the tops in the league, 6.2, I believe, is what Winnipeg, I think, has. So 6.2 a game. You know, I'd love to see us get to that and then see what we're really, how, how good we can really be. Uh, your your offense is going to be, was challenged the last couple of games. Obviously, Calgary's a really good team defensively, good team all over, but a good team defensively. Toronto's pretty good defensively, too. For a team that's four and seven, when you look at the stats and break down their defense, they lead the league in, in several categories, like yards given up and sacks and and, and yeah. a couple of other things. They're, they're, they're going to be a tough team to play against. No question. They're tough. They're physical up front. That's where it starts for them. Uh, they've had a lot of juggling to do in their secondary, but their front seven, with their linebackers included, is very talented. So we're going to have to protect our quarterbacks, uh, open up holes for a running game, um, which is a good challenge for our guys. We're coming off a team that's just built like that as well, so you know, we'll be used to that kind of challenge. Um, you know, and then, you know, we got to make plays at the end of the day. They're very good. They're great on second down. I think they lead the league in second down conversions against, so we'll have to be really good on first down, so we give ourselves a chance of second down. And then, of course, our special teams, they have a dangerous returner. We'll have to be good. We just played it the best guy in the league, yeah. I, I believe. So we'll uh, go up against another dangerous one and have to curtail him. And then defensively, you got to stop a Hall of Famer. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to throw it. Uh, they know to the another, system. You're throwing it to another Hall of Famer, too, right. Jay Green. Exactly. So, yeah. so we know their strengths on their offense. We'll rely on those two. Um, you know, Benny will come up with a good, uh, good plan, and it's about executing at the end of the day. At the end of the day, if we can be some disciplined players and coaches and uh, go out there and make some plays, you know, the the idea is to go out there and get a win before the bye. And your defense, I thought, was looked familiar. I mean, it looked a lot better uh, than it had the last three or four games and, and made some plays and obviously kept Calgary uh, to, to a few points. Um, you talked about their defensive backfield. What about yours? Yours is kind of a mess right now. You go back three or four games, you've lost six of six guys who have started have been injured. Yeah, and there's only five positions back there, so it tells you what kind of. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, last game we lose Mercy Mason and warm up, and so we played with 43 players because the league said that we weren't within the one hour rule to chain to get one of our reserves off our roster, which is another topic that probably needs to be discussed in the off season. They'd rather us player safety, but they'd rather us play a player short too. Um, so, anyways. I'll go on and just yeah. say that we were challenged before the game even started, but the way our guys stepped up in the secondary, we had a, another injury 15 plays in to take another starter out, and to have our guys step up was tremendous. Uh, Hoover steps in. Um, we did Those guys just did Chris Edwards playing boundary corner for the first time all year. I mean, the the job they did to to help stifle, you know, Bo Levi and to make it difficult on him with that lineup was tremendous. I thought our guys, I mean, talking to Benny, it was probably our best defensive performance, to be quite honest with you, of the year. Um, they were awesome all night. So um, kudos to them for kudos, a great job of our coaches getting those players ready to play and our players stepping up and making plays. Uh, just wrapping up here. Now we got less than a minute to go. Are we going to get any, any good news injury-wise when uh, – you go back to the practice field tomorrow? Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, we should be getting, uh, I think, Kinger's back in, in the secondary, so that'll help yeah. us. Um, 
I'm trying to think. I'm trying to be optimistic and hopeful, <laughs> and I think he's the one for sure that I know yeah. is coming back. So we were we were pretty good. We'll get Trayvon Van back as well, yeah, so okay. at, at least back on the practice. Sean White going to kick this week? Uh, no. I don't think so. No. Okay. All right, there you go. That's the uh, best that we can do for you. It is uh, Eskimos and Argos Saturday, 2 o'clock start, uh, 12.30 for the pregame show. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you coming in. Thank you. All right. Uh, my name's Morley Scott. Have a great night, everybody. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.